Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Kevin Vanderput. Good morning, everyone. I want to say a big welcome to you. I'm so excited to be spending this morning with you, just receiving from God, hearing what He has to say. Whether you're watching from home or you're in the building, again, welcome. I'm going to dive straight in today. No introduction, faffing around. I don't have a joke or a nice story to tell at the beginning. We're just going to dive straight into what God has to say. Is that right? I'm taking it as a yes. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I want to start by sharing this picture that Sharon had. Uh, my wife, uh, she received that picture um, years ago, even before we started the congregation in Burgess Hill. We were already praying for the town at the time. And uh, one night as we were praying, she saw this picture of Burgess Hill just on fire. And as the picture zoomed in, she saw houses on fire, but they weren't burning away and crumbling apart. They were burning with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, God simply said, the fire of my spirit will take, take over this town. And that picture has stayed with us ever since and came back to mind many times. And the obvious interpretation, at least for me, was always that this picture had an evangelistic emphasis to it, that it was about many people coming to know God, obviously, and those homes worshipping God, his children worshipping him and living for his glory. How awesome is that? And I want you to keep that picture in your mind as we go through the whole morning today. Park it there somewhere and keep that picture alive for me. We'll come back to it later. Now, we've had such a powerful start of the year. Who's hands up if you've enjoyed the time of prayer and fasting, if you've received something from God, if you've, uh, yeah, just been listening, receiving, releasing. It's been such a great start to the year. I'm really thankful. I believe that God has us on such a special journey at this time. And as we continue to take steps forward in that, in his purposes, we'll be amazed of what he's going to do in us and through us. One of the highlights of this time of praying and fasting for me can be summed up in one sentence. With the same heart that you seek me, I want you to seek the lost. Now you will have heard Pastor Clive share it a few times by now. And it's such a powerful statement, a loaded one for sure. It's like two sides of a coin, right? God and the lost, lost in God, and they go hand in hand. God is saying with the same effort you put into planning encounters, prayer meetings, with the same amount of time you invest into Sundays and making Sundays happen, all the energy that goes into that, all the value you put into these things, I want you to do the same for the lost. Two sides of the coin. And there isn't one side favored over the other. They go hand in hand, the same heart behind it. And this phrase has really stayed with me. It really hit me hard, to be honest, because if I'm really honest with myself, I'm fully aware that there is no way at this point that I have the same heart for God as I do for the lost. I don't, the same heart for the lost as I do for God. But I certainly want God to work in me and through me to get me to that place where the same amount of time I spend in my room praying, I spend seeking God, just reading the word, all of that. I would spend the same heart and same amount of time just seeking the lost and their salvation. God work that in us today as a church continue to awaken that desire in us. Thank you, Lord. 
I'm telling you, God is speaking to us. This morning is going to be a bit like a light bulb moment for some of us. I really believe that God said that to me. I believe that some things are going to just be sparked in us today. So I'm excited. You know, the sentence, I really shouldn't be surprised by it, really. It's all over the word. After all, when Jesus was asked what was the most important commandments, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These, there is no commandment greater than these. They both go hand in hand, two sides of the same coin. Luke 19.10 says, Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. And here again, we see these two words, seek and, seek and lost. And when you start looking in the word seek, into the word seek, in the Bible, it appears in many places and it refers to different things. But one of the recurring themes is the loss, it's salvation. In 1 Corinthians 10.33, it talks about seeking the good of others. And the word good there actually stands for salvation. What the verse is really saying is seek the salvation of others. Here's a few things that I want to share that God has been saying to us as a leadership of kingdom faith. Three sentences, really. Kingdom faith is a house of healing and salvation. Not only that, but we will have homes of healing and salvation. And that together we would be a community of healing and salvation. So three levels, really. House of healing and salvation. Homes of healing and salvation. A community of healing and salvation. That's what we believe kingdom faith is called to be. And there's elements of that that are already present for sure. But there is so much more that God wants to activate in us to see what he has promised come to pass. We're going to jump into Luke 14 together today. We're going to read a good chunk of that. And I want you to keep in mind what I just said about kingdom faith, the house of salvation and healing, homes of healing and salvation and community of healing and salvation. Let's keep that in mind as we read Luke 14 together. Hopefully I left you enough time to get there. So let's read it together. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house, we're starting at verse one, by the way, very beginning of the chapter. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Here actually many translations named a sickness. It's called dropsy. It actually causes fluids, um, fluid retention, swelling of the limbs due to heart, kidney or liver failure. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the place of least importance. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. 
For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. And watch this. Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relative, your rich neighbors, because if you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. What a story, hey? What a story. Do you ever read the Bible and think, wait, what? Like sometimes depending on the impact of the story that it has on me, my what is a bit longer. But I think this is definitely one of those moments. There's actually so much going on in that story. So let me pick out a few things that we're going to focus on. First, did you notice how it opens up by saying Jesus was in someone's home? Right, we can easily miss it. Miss it. It's the little things. It says one Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house. Right, so he was in someone's home as this story starts. And actually, we witness the fulfillment of that sentence that God has given us as kingdom faith, homes of healing and salvation. We see a healing taking place in someone's home, first thing in the story. And this healing isn't a simple cold or headache going away. Something mind-blowing is actually taking place, right? This person that had dropsy was obviously sick, as in you could see he was swollen all over. They must have witnessed him like, pop and deflate like some sort of balloon, really. How amazing is that? And actually, we can focus on that healing, and rightfully so, and on Jesus, rightfully so. But I want to switch our focus for a minute to the host. Because we don't think about the host, really. But someone invited Jesus there. Someone opened their home for people to come for the Sabbath, to have all of those people over. And obviously that wasn't limited to people of fame or standing because we had a man with dropsy there, a man that was obviously lame or crippled in some way by his condition. And of course, there is incredible power in what Jesus accomplished, but it was accomplished because someone decided to open their home. Someone decided to host the Sabbath, to invite these people. See, our roles aren't to do everything. God doesn't require us to do everything, but we are called to open our spaces. Jesus does the healing, the salvation, but we want to give him the space to move in this place. Homes of healing and salvation come on thank you Jesus but you know the Bible just keeps on giving and giving because the story isn't even over Jesus almost takes the focus away from the miracle that just happened to take the time to teach the people about the importance of homes and he says verse 12 I'll read it again then Jesus said to his host when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brother, your sister, your relative, your rich neighbor. For if you do, they might invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Notice how in those few verses, Jesus doesn't say, if you give a luncheon or a dinner or later on, it says a banquet. It says when. Jesus is hammering home the point about the importance of opening your home when you host people over, when you have people over for food, for dinner, for something, for the Sabbath, when? 
I believe Jesus is highlighting the importance of having these people over and not just our friends for a good night of fun or for even a prayer meeting, although that is great. It's having all sorts of people over, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, the ones who cannot repay you in any way, the ones that might not yet know God, the one that needs transforming life that God has to offer, the one that needs a miracle like the man who had dropsy in this story. God wants us to make space in our lives for these people. God wants us to open our homes to let them in he wants to change their lives through ours and the bible keeps on giving because then the chapter continues and another story starts when one of those it says verse 15 at the table with him so still same situation right same home another person asking when one of those at the table with him heard this he said to Jesus blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God Jesus replied a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests at the time of the banquet he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited come for everything is now ready but they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another one said, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. Didn't even say excuse me, actually. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bringing the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Recurring theme over here. Sir, the servant said, watch this, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. In this parable, we see again the emphasis that Jesus is putting on the home. You might feel like I'm repeating myself, but I'm telling you, God is just highlighting this to us right now. We see this man that was preparing this great banquet and invited many guests. But do you notice how in verse 21, when the servants come back, announcing that the guests that they invited had all excuses, he replied, go get the crippled, the poor, the blind, the lame, and watch the servants answer. Sir, what you have ordered has already been done. The servants knew their master's heart. They knew what kind of person he was. They knew that he cared about these people and wanted them to come in. So they already had gone ahead and invited all of those people over. They knew the heart of the master. It also speaks to the fact that this was probably not the first time this happened. Maybe it was a habit for those people to be invited. Maybe it was a weekly, monthly thing. Who knows? And the master goes then even further by saying, go out to the roads, the country lanes, and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Wow. We need to know the heart of our master. Just like these servants knew that their master would want to have unknown lowly people there, the ones that might be hurting or in need, we need to know that actually the heart of our master is exactly the same. Our God wants his house to be full, to be full. He doesn't care who it is. His love is for all, for every single one of his children. He longs for his house to be full, for all to know him, to find love and acceptance and healing and life in him. He wants to do that through us, the ones that already know him. 
Our homes need to become salvation's ground. Salvation ground. If you remember, I shared with you last time in December about looking out, right? Right before Christmas. And I, I used this very same story. And right then God told me our homes need to be salvation ground. Today we are in December. Uh, we were not, we're not in December. We're in February. And what is God saying? Homes of healing and salvation. God is telling us something, people. I'm telling you. But can I just say this? As I was preparing and as I was writing this message, I was just so aware of the fact that out of myself, I've got nothing to offer, nothing to put on display for these people. But actually God is our banquet. He's the one that we're putting on display. He's the life, the redemption, the greatness of our God. He's our banquet. He's the one that we're inviting people to meet, right? In this parable, let alone being the host, we are the servants. We are the servants. Our job is to go in the streets and countryside and the, the alleys and, and declare, hey, come, come, compel the people to come. I have this great banquet for you. And it ain't about chicken. It's about transforming life at work. He is the banquet. He is what we have to offer people. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give to you. Come on. Father, work that heart in us that we would just be compelled every time to work and invite people to compel them to come in, Father, to compel them to come in and meet you, Lord. Silver and gold we do not have, but what I have, we give to you. Thank you, Jesus. I want to read some of the things that God has been saying to Pastor Clive, actually. And he shared that in the last few days with us. And I'm just going to literally read them out as if it was his notes. Because I believe it, it just links in so well with what we've been sharing today. So Pastor Clive was writing like God saying this to him. Supply for the poor, heal the cripple, the lame, the blind. The supply you have now is just the beginning it is the first fruits of what is to come. Everything is prepared for the days and years ahead. Simply do whatever I show you and you will constantly walk into my provision for what I am doing. God has been providing financially for our church. We are in a stable position, not for ourselves, but to build for what is coming ahead, to get everything towards that. Then God said, all the resources I supply going forward are to seek and to save the lost. As I release my glory, there won't be time for anything else. You will constantly be bringing in the harvest and all that is involved in that. The daily life of kingdom faith will be one of reaping, leading people to Christ, setting them free, healing the sick and discipling them in the truth so they will live fully in the new life I have given them. Not a day will go by without several, if not many, people coming to Christ. Your focus won't be a Sunday. It will be around what's happening throughout the week, every day of the week. Then God gave Pastor Clive this picture of the body of Christ and the body when you think of the body it breathes right breathe in breathe out it was like God was saying as you breathe in it's the body gathering and breathing out it goes and it's breathing gather go and it's this new rhythm of the body we gather and we go we gather and we go then God said homes and families will be central to what I am doing in the same way the master in the parable wanted anyone and everyone in his house at the banquet, so I will work the same heart in anyone who wants it. 
Having the heart includes opening the home. Thank you, Jesus. For God to break out, we need him to break in, break into our homes, break into our lives in a fresh way. In the same way, it said, in the same way the master in the parable wanted anyone and everyone in his house at the banquet. So I will work the same heart in anyone who wants it. Do we have that heart today? Maybe as I've been sharing so far, everything, the scriptures, what God has been saying, you feel that little tingling feeling inside or that little heart beating a bit faster where you know there's a prompting from God. God is speaking to you. Take hold of his words today. Take hold of what he's saying because it is key for what is ahead. Do you remember the picture I started with at the, at the very beginning that Sharon had? I'm going to bring it back right now. So I'm going to remind you quickly, just in case you forgot. Sharon saw the town of Burgess Hill on fire, right? And as it zoomed into that picture, she saw houses on fire. But they weren't burning up in a way and, and crumbling apart. They were burning with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, God simply said, the fire of my spirit will take over the town. And I told you that my interpretation of this, the, the picture at the time was for many to come, that many will come and know God in the town. And that's what it represented. And I still believe that it's true. But I believe that as I was driving the other day and praying, God brought that picture back to my mind and highlighted a, a different facet of it. Don't you love driving? I love driving. There's so much less distraction. It's just you and the road and, and my mind is just open and God just comes and speaks and I'm alone in the car so I'm not ashamed to start crying or screaming or whatever. I'm not mindful of all those things. I love it when God speaks to me on a drive. Anyway, so he highlighted this new facet or fresh facet of the, of the picture because it wasn't a building on fire that, that Sharon saw. It wasn't even people, although that was implied. It was homes. And I believe that God was highlighting already then the importance of the homes going forward. It was this fire burning bright in each of our home every single day in the intimacy of our lives, in the intimacy of our house. See, when the early church met, it looked nothing like the image of church that we have today in the West. They shared their lives together. They met in homes. There was no church building such as this one yet. Now, most homes would have had courtyards and, and could host more people probably than my living room could host today. But thank you, Jesus, for the size of my living room. It's a blessing. But people didn't turn up for a meeting. They came for sharing life together. They came to fellowship, to be together, to share food, to address anyone's need in, in prayer and support one another. When being taught, of course, they were being taught the word, but it was like this sort of learning community going on. It was like this Q&A session with conversation around the word. I mean, how many times do you see Jesus teaching and then someone randomly asking a question and him answering the question and then teaching another parable? That was the way things were being done. There was a sense of belonging, of family, of community. There wasn't a going to church mentality. Their thinking was, we are the church. Together, we are the body. We are the church. This is how God wants our homes to be. In Burgess Hill, we've had the privilege, really, to be meeting in homes as a congregation since August last year. Now, we still meet in a building as well. It's sort of this hybrid between the two. And it's something we felt God speak to us way before August. 
but we took some time to pray it through and to really let God guide us in the process. And then we communicated about it for a few weeks before we started in August. But it's not just something that is COVID related, although it was born in COVID. I believe that it's something that God is breathing into the life of our church. There is purpose behind it. And when we are not meeting in a building, but we're meeting in homes, there's a different feel to our Sundays. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the building isn't as good. I'm saying there's two different facets of what church can look like. But there's a different feel to our Sundays. The, con the conversations are different. The groups are, of course, smaller and we spend a lot more time together. There's always food. <laughs> food is great. There's always either breakfast before the service starts or lunch after the service. So people come in, share food together, talk about their week and what has been going on and just go much deeper than they would have maybe in a building. Let me tell you, we got some great cooks. There's some people that are anointed to make great food and I love it. I'm here for it. I'm looking forward to going to every house and trying different things. It's great. But we always tell the guys, we remind them, we are the church. We are all part of making this happen. When we're in homes, we push in. Let's all bring something this Sunday, whether that's some food, which is an obvious one, whether that's a friend that maybe doesn't know God yet or is not part of the congregation, whether that's a word of encouragement for someone as you've been spending time with God in your own time, God has downloaded a picture to you or just a word you've received sharing that or bring some vulnerability. Maybe it hasn't been such an easy week, a prayer need or a challenge that some people are facing. Everyone is bringing something to the table. We are sharing life together. Church in the home is like a stripped out version of everything that happens in a building of what we have on a Sunday normally. But it's more than that. It takes all the side stuff that might be going on, all the polished version of what church can be. And although there's a spirit of excellence in that, and I love seeing how far God has brought us with that. But it puts all of that away for a second and puts the focus right on you, right on the people, what's going on inside of them, in their hearts. Because you are the church. We are the church. We don't come to an event where other people happen to be there, like you would go to a show or a concert or a musical, I don't know. We are sharing life together. It's been so good for the congregation to see people's relationships grow deeper with one another, to see them praying for one another every week. We've seen healing happen in the homes during worship. We've seen people laying hands, just an activation of what people were already carrying inside of them. It's brought a strength there and a love for one another that is deeper now than it was before. God wants his body to come closer together, to be real with one another, to be intimate, not to only gather for events. And that's also why in Horsham and Crawley, you guys have responded to what God has been saying already. You've been meeting around tables for weeks now. And that isn't just a good idea someone woke up with this morning to shake things up or whatever. No, it's a response to the leading of God. Why? Because God is saying it's time to not sit alongside one another anymore, but to sit together. Together, we are in this together. It's a togetherness that God wants to bring to the life of the church. And we look into each other's eyes. We pray for one another. We share food. You shared food around the table uh, recently in Horsham last week or whatever. I heard there was great food as well. So you guys have some blessed 
anointed cooks in Horsham and I'm sure in Crawley as well, everywhere. Thank you, Jesus. We are called to do life together. We are called to go through life with one another, not alone, not in isolation. We are called to stand together as one body. Now I'm going to pray and finish by praying and you'll notice that today has been a bit shorter. That's because we want to leave some, leave some time for you around the tables uh, to discuss how, what does it mean for me? How can I open my home? What is God calling me to do in response to this? And maybe you get a great idea from across the table from someone else. God is speaking to us. God is saying homes of healing and salvation. And you know, actually even something like small groups, small groups are micro version of church. There are people coming together to do church essentially to do life together so maybe God is speaking to you about that in one way or another just in your conversations around the table think of creative ways don't think of all the obstacles that jump into your head I need to have my house clean every day and in order and blah 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 all of those things that maybe just think God what if what if I was to do this how would you want me to go about it and just have a chat around, but before, around the table, but before that, I'm just going to pray. Is that all right? I'm just going to pray because God has been speaking today and we need to respond to that for a minute. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for what you have been doing right at the beginning of this year in us as a church. You're calling us to have a greater heart for the lost, for the harvest, for what you are doing and what you are wanting to do in the future. And Lord, we want to respond to that calling today. We want to respond to your words today. We want to say, Lord, here we are. Our homes are not ours. Who are we to discuss how you want to save people? If you are saying, I want to save them in your home, Father, we are here for it. We are here for it. Have your way in us. Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it looks like, continue to speak to us about what that looks like in each of our personal lives, in each of the congregation, in the life of the church. Father, show us what it means to have the same heart for the lost as we have for you, Father, to seek the lost to open our homes to healing and salvation. Father, we long to see you move. And if that means you moving in the homes, we are here for it. We are here for it. Show us, Lord. Continue to speak to us, to reveal to us what you want to do in the next few days and weeks, what that looks like. Father, I pray that everyone in the life of the church will feel bold enough to share some ideas, some, some downloads that they've had for you, from you with the leadership, with their congregation leader, small group leader. Father, I thank you for, for just those seeds being planted and then nurtured and growing, Father, for fruits coming out of today. Lord, I thank you that light bulb moments have been happening. Ideas are popping up. Things are going on, Lord. We are here for it. Again, we declare whatever you want to do, have your way in us. Have your way in our homes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We surrender everything afresh to you. 
Who are we to bargain or discuss with you how you want to go about things? Father, we are simply here to serve you. Whatever that looks like. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Have a great conversation around your tables, guys. And whatever you're doing the rest of the week, be blessed. Bye. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.